Good morning and welcome to Christ Central. My name is Owen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And I just want to say, wow, God is so good, isn't he? It is so good and so encouraging to see so many of our youth students personally profess their faith publicly without shame in the Lord Jesus Christ and to see some of our students getting baptized. This is awesome. I praise God for what he has done and is doing and will do in and through your lives. And to my younger brothers and sisters, I just want to say, may you follow Jesus with steadfastness, courage, and love for the rest of your lives. Amen. And one of the things that we get to do, that you get to do as um, baptized, the publicly professing followers of Jesus, is that you get to participate in the Lord's Supper today. And so for this Sunday, I wanted to preach on the meaning of the Lord's Supper for you. And also as a reminder for the rest of the church family as well. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. And we're going to read from verse 14 to 28. Today we're going to read about the time when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And today, after this service, we're going to get to enjoy the Lord's Supper together as a church family. People of God, this is God's word. Would you please give it your careful attention? And when their hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and he had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, uh, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For he, for who is the greater, the one who reclines at table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Here's a sermon outline for today. First, the new Passover meal. Second, the new family. And third, the new hope. Now, the context in which Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper was the Passover meal. In fact, we can call the Lord's Supper the new Passover meal because it fulfills and replaces the old Passover meal. In verse 15, Jesus said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
Now, the first and original Passover meal was a family meal that was eaten on the night before the Israelites were liberated by God from their slavery in Egypt. The night before the exodus, the great and hasty exit out of Egypt. And after the first and original Passover meal, God commanded his people to eat the Passover meal every single year as a perpetual memorial. God wanted them to never forget that night. God wanted them to never forget how he saved them from their slavery in Egypt as he brought them out through the exodus. So the Passover meal was a sacramental celebration of God's deliverance, a commemoration of Israel's exodus from Egypt. And because the Passover meal was an annual meal, and it had been happening every single year for centuries by the time Jesus shared this Passover meal with his disciples. So every year, the Jews, as families, looked forward to the annual Passover meal as they got to eat roast lamb as the main dish with bread and wine. It was kind of like our Thanksgiving dinner. It's something you look forward to, to the turkey as the main dish with all the sides and trimmings and, and, and sharing all the reasons why you were thankful. Like Thanksgiving dinner for Americans, the Passover meal was the big annual family feast for the Jews. Now, during the Passover meal, the head of the family, usually the father, would get up, take a cup, and give thanks. And then the youngest in the room, a little boy or a little girl, would ask father this. Why is tonight different than all the other nights? And then the head of the family would explain the meaning of Passover. He would explain how their ancestors were once oppressed slaves in Egypt. But God saw their suffering and he had compassion on them. So God sent Moses to save them from their slavery. And he used Moses to bring them out of Egypt through the Exodus. And the reason why Pharaoh finally let God's people go was because of the tenth and final plague. When the angel of death came into every house in Egypt and killed the firstborn son. But God commanded the Jews to sacrifice a lamb and to cover the doorposts of their homes with the blood of the lamb. And when the angel of death came to the Jewish houses that had blood on the doorposts of their homes, the angel of death would pass over those houses so that the lives of the firstborns in those homes would be spared. But all the Egyptian families... Because they didn't have blood on their doorposts, the angel of death went in and killed every firstborn son. In fact, the angel of death even went into the palace and killed the firstborn son of Pharaoh himself. And that's why this meal is called the Passover meal, to commemorate the time when the angel of death passed over the Jewish homes because the blood of the lamb was slathered over their doorposts, and the lamb that was sacrificed and eaten was called the Passover lamb. For many months now, Jesus had been telling his disciples over and over again that he would have to go to Jerusalem, and there in Jerusalem, he would have to suffer and die. And that time to suffer and die had finally come. This was the night before his suffering and death. In less than 24 hours, Jesus would be secretly arrested falsely accused and condemned, physically tortured and abused, and then violently put to death on a cross. And now, on the night before he was to suffer and die, 
Jesus earnestly wanted to eat this Passover with them before he suffered. That's because the Passover meal would help them understand what he was about to do for them, what he had to do for their salvation. You see, in the death of Jesus, the Passover meal was about to find its ultimate fulfillment. You see, the Passover was not just a time to look back and to remember how God saved them through the Exodus, but it was also a time to look ahead to the full and final salvation that would come through God's promised Messiah or the true Passover lamb. And at this Passover meal, Jesus spoke, which means that he was the head of the family at this table. But instead of talking about how God saved Israel from Egypt, what did Jesus do? He talked about himself, as if this Passover meal was about him. He said the bread was actually his, his body that was going to be given for them. He said the cup was actually his blood which would be poured out for them. Jesus said something at this Passover meal that had never been said before at any Passover meal in the history of Passover meals. No Jew would have ever heard anything like this before. Jesus made the Passover about him and about what he would do for the salvation of God's people. And that's because the Passover prepares us for the gospel, doesn't it? Because of our sins, we deserve condemnation, death, and hell. Because of our sins, we deserve to be struck dead by the angel of death. So Jesus, as the true Passover lamb, would have his body broken and his blood poured out. And for everyone who would believe and trust in Jesus, for everyone who would figuratively have the doorposts of their hearts covered by the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, the angel of death will pass over them and spare them. Just as the angel of death passed over the families who had the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts, so the angel of death will pass over those who have the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was slain on the doorposts of our hearts. You see, Jesus, the true Passover lamb, shed his blood so that his blood might cover us, so that the angel of death might pass over us. In other words, Jesus was willing to be struck dead by the angel of death so that we might not be. You know, it's interesting to notice that Luke mentioned the bread and the wine uh, um, at this Passover meal, but he never says anything about the Passover lamb. In fact, it's not just Luke. If you go back and read Mark and Matthew as well, they don't make any mention of the Passover lamb as well. So where's the Passover lamb? There's the bread, there's the wine, but where's the lamb? Well, the lamb is not on the table because the lamb is at the table. As the host of the table, you see the true Passover lamb was there, and it was Jesus. He's the Passover lamb. And as the true Passover lamb who was about to be sacrificed, Jesus said that the bread was his body and the cup was his blood. Jesus said that the bread represented his body and that his body would be given for them. You see, on the very next day, Jesus gave his body for us. He died in our place, taking the death penalty that we deserve for our sins. So friends, because of the death, because of, the death of Jesus, the angel of death passes over us. And every time we take the bread... We say by faith, Jesus died for me. 
And Jesus also said that the cup represented his blood and that his blood was poured out for them because on the very next day, Jesus would offer the full and final um, atonement for the forgiveness of sins with the shedding of his own blood. Because of the shed blood of Jesus, the angel of death passes over us. And so every time we take the cup, we say by faith, Jesus bled for me. Friends, the Passover meal tells us how much Jesus loves us. I want you to look at verse 15 again. Jesus said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus was about to suffer for them. Jesus was about to die for them, but they had no idea, the disciples. They had no idea how much Jesus loved them. They just thought that they were having their favorite meal with their master. The Passover meal could only be fulfilled through the suffering and death of Jesus. And yet Jesus earnestly desired to eat this meal with them because he loved his disciples that much. Brothers and sisters, when you come to the Lord's table today, I want you to think about his body being broken for you and his blood being poured out for you. And I want you to see how much Jesus loves you. Friends, we have no idea how much Jesus loves us until we see Jesus giving himself for us, until we see his body being broken on the cross, until we see his blood being shed for us. We have no idea how much Jesus loves us. He loved us so much that he died for us. So every time you look at the bread, every time you take the cup, see the body and the blood of Christ given for you and see how loved You are by Jesus. So the first thing that we see is that the old Passover meal has been fulfilled and replaced by the new Passover meal, which we now call the Lord's Supper. Next, and very quickly, we're going to look at the new family and the new hope. As I said earlier, the Passover meal was the family meal of the year for the Jews, like Thanksgiving dinner is for Americans. You were supposed to celebrate the Passover meal with your family, right? So why aren't these disciples with their families on this night? Every one of these guys had families that they belonged to. Every one of these guys was either a son or a husband, and they should have been with their families celebrating Passover on this night. It's like a family man having Thanksgiving dinner with his friends instead of with his family. What's going on? Jesus had the audacity to pull every one of his disciples away from their families and to say, you're going to have it with me instead. What's Jesus doing? Why would Jesus do this? Friends, what Jesus was doing was he was creating a new family. He was redefining what family was. You see, for us, we, when we think about family, we think about the people that we share the same blood with. That's what family is to us, Right? But Jesus is saying, from now on, your new and true family are the people that you're bound together with, not with the same blood, but with my blood. Your true family are not the people that you share the same blood with. Rather, according to Jesus, your new and true family are the people that you share the same faith with. And the one who shed his blood for you to save you and to make you one family. Friends, Our new and true family is our church family. You see, the church family is made up of many different people from many different families. But we're brought together to form a new family. 
where Jesus is the head of our family, and we are now bound together as brothers and sisters in Christ, united by the blood of Jesus that not only saves us, but makes us one new family together. And friends, our church family is every bit as real and every bit as important as your earthly family. In fact, your church family is your eternal family. Do you realize that you may not spend eternity with all the members of your earthly family, but you will spend eternity with all the members of your church family if they truly trust in Christ. And do you want to know how you know who your true family is? It's the people that you eat the family meal with. It's the people that you eat the Lord's Supper with. You see, the Lord's Supper is the family meal for the church family. You see, friends, the people that you eat the Lord's Supper with are more your true family than the people that you eat Thanksgiving dinner with. My brothers and sisters, Sunday worship services are really family gatherings, and our monthly Lord's Suppers are our family meals. In Christ, we are brothers and sisters. In Christ, we are family. And as family, we're called to love and to care for one another. You see, listen. Going to church is not just about singing songs and hearing a sermon by yourself as an individual. It's about the church family gathering together so we can worship God together, so we can fellowship together, so we can care for one another together. Now, because of COVID, we've had to worship individually and virtually for a long time, much longer than any one of us imagined. But now, as most of us are being vaccinated, as cases are going down, now that we can gather together safely, we have to start gathering together as a church family. We need to see each other, be together, encourage one another because we're family. Now, I know, for those of you who are watching at home, it's convenient and easy to watch a service from home. I get it. It's convenient. You don't have to get up. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to come to church. It's easy and convenient. But as a church family, we're meant to be together, to worship together, and to fellowship together, and to meet the needs of one another together. So as we enter into our, our summer months, and here's a preview that you're going to hear next week, starting June 13th, all age restrictions will be lifted. That means everyone in our church family can gather together. I hope that we can begin to gather together again regularly because that's what we're supposed to do as a church family. Amen? Amen. It's so good to see you all here. I hope to see many of you who are watching from the screen right now here in our building in the months to come so that we can be the family of God together. So we've talked about the new Passover meal and the new family. Lastly and briefly, let's talk about the new hope. Now, I want you to notice the future element in the Lord's Supper. Jesus said in verse 16, For I tell you, I will not eat it until, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Jesus was referring to another meal, to a future meal, a meal that was yet to come when the kingdom of God would come. And be fulfilled. Jesus was saying that the Lord's Supper was really just a foretaste and a preview of the true feast that is coming one day. Now, the hope of these disciples, along with all the other Jews, was simply this let's get free from Roman domination and oppression, and let's live free and good lives in this life. That was what their hope was. But Jesus was offering them a different hope, 
a better hope, a more glorious hope, a new hope. And the new hope was this. It was the hope of heaven. You see, Jesus was saying, you just want to be free from Roman domination. You're going to get much more than that. You're going to actually eat and drink in the kingdom of God, and you will sit and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. They hope for too little. Jesus was giving them something bigger and grander and better. With the future element of the Lord's Supper, Jesus is pointing them and us to the hope of the coming kingdom, to the coming of the new heavens and the new earth where there would be no more sin, no more oppression, no more suffering, no more sickness, and no more death. Now, just because our hope is in heaven does not mean that we don't work for justice in this world. As the people of God, God calls us to work for justice so that all people, whether they believe as we do or not, may be treated justly and fairly as glorious image bearers of God. But our hope as the church is not that perfect justice would be done and experienced in this lifetime or that we would somehow live trouble-free and suffering-free lives in this world. Our hope is not that we will have heaven on earth. Rather, our true and unfailing hope is this, that we will have heaven when Jesus comes again, when the Lord Jesus will return to restore this broken world into the new heavens and the new earth. At the Lord's Supper, we don't just look back and remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, but we also look forward and we remember that Jesus will come again. We look forward to the day when Jesus will return to make all things right and all things new. And at the Lord's Supper, we look forward to the true and final supper, to what the book of Revelation calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. Here at this table, we look forward to that heavenly banqueting table that is coming, where we will sit and eat and drink with Jesus and his banner over us will be love. Brothers and sisters, our new hope is not that our lives in this world will be easy or safe. Our new hope is that everything that we experience in this life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, God will somehow work all those things together for our good. Our new hope tells us that our worst-case scenario is resurrection and eternal life. And if that's the case, we have nothing to fear at all. So what? let me wrap this up real quick. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a part of the new family, what do I want you to do today? Here's the simple, straightforward application. Come to the table and participate in the Lord's Supper. As you take the bread today, as you take the wine today, remember the body of Christ given for you. Remember the blood of Christ shed for you. Remember how much he loves you. He loves you so much that he gave himself for you. And for those of you who are not able to join us today, let me encourage you, make every effort to be here for our next family meal, which will be on the last Sunday of June. The family meal is only a family meal when all the families together, amen? And I hope that next month our family meal will be much larger because more of our family will be together. Now, for those of you who are watching or who are here, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet. Maybe you don't belong to the family yet. But today I want, to, I want to tell you this. Believe in the Lord Jesus and his blood will cover you and the angel of death will pass over you and you'll be brought into the family of God and you'll be welcomed to this table as a family member as you're reminded time and time again to
just how much Jesus loves you to the point where he died for you. Amen. Let's pray together. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you so much uh, that today we get to come to your table, to, to the table of your son. And as we take the bread and, and take the wine, I pray that every one of us today would be reminded just how much Jesus loves us, even to the point where he laid down his life for us. Would you renew and strengthen our faith today, deepen our love for you, Lord Jesus. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Church, if you would please rise if you are able and join us.